0: What's our theme here? Yeah, we think it's a lot of things. Overcoming fear, I think. Building the muscle that allows us to face the fear. Deepak Chopra says, uh, I'm a huge Deepak Chopra fangirl. He does an A to Z healing of the soul Mm -hmm. affirmations. And F is for fear. And he said, F is for going beyond the limitations of fear. Today, I will witness my fear and my witnessing of it will transform it into love <laughs> yes that's good it's raining then delicious podcast
1: Is Rosario Calatayud Cerna. I'm a business owner. I am a nonprofit professional. I'm an administrator, and I'm getting brave enough to say I'm a creative because I work in creative spaces. Yes. And although that does not mean that I'm like creating, mm-hmm. I am supporting the creation, and that is as important as a creation itself. Fuck so. yeah! Very dude. excited to say that yes. out loud. <laughs>
0: for years before I ever started doing anything creative people would say like oh you're a writer and I'd be like no I'm not I'm not a writer Mm -hmm. people would say to me like you can say that you're a writer Mm. and I was like no but I'm not I I work in the industry I'm a payroll accountant it's cool I guess it's all right it is so I pay I pay the writers I pay the editors so I know like what a writer looks like on paper yeah to me writer has to be that writer a
1: specific thing you
0: have to be recognized mm-hmm. and whatever i refuse to call myself a writer and then last year when i was being all brave and doing podcasts and writing a blog i also submitted a 90 second monologue to a monologue slam i wrote a 90 second monologue called "Massa make america safe again oh and it's a mixed martial artist phd having badass <laughs> bitch who kidnaps Donald Trump after he grabs her <laughs> pussy and she tortures him in a shack in the Mexican desert oh and then sets him free gosh. without a passport. Oh my God. So I submitted that on a whim. Okay, fine. I here, I'm just saying I submitted something and I got selected as a you semi-finalist. Did. I got an email saying that I was a semi-finalist. I wept. I'd never before yeah. submitted my writing certainly never had my writing recognized as anything and then I met somebody who was like on the board of the Nosotros organization and she's like oh you're one of the writers and I was like I'm one of the writers and so now it's on my Instagram it Uh, says Nika writer podcaster yeah I feel like it's true now and even before it was also true And I didn't give myself enough credit. And I feel terrible for that because I'm doing a lot of inner child work. I've always been a writer. Always been a writer. Because I held a pen in my hand and I wrote. Absolutely. And that's
1: all it takes. Yes.
0: You define writer however you want. Yes. We define creative however we want. Yes. All of it matters. We're all fucking awesome.
1: Yes.
0: I want to hear your story. I want to (laughs) hear... how you started a business.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. I think starting a business was the last thing that I thought that I would ever do. I think that's the last thing most people think they'll ever do. My parents started their businesses and I said, okay, that's cool. Y'all are slaving day after day. Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't want to do this. It was never something that I really thought about doing. Mm -hmm. I did the thing. I got the degree. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, do I need a MBA to start a business? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) I might have (laughs) asked myself the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I found that what I wanted to do wasn't there for me yet. I said, all right, I guess this is what I have to do to prove that I can do it because the other option is just going to a nine to five that might not be fit for what I want to do if no one wants to take me in and no one wants to be a work family, then I guess I just have to make my own work family. That's amazing. (laughs) I
0: think so many people have come to find, especially during COVID, post-COVID, that they don't want to subscribe to the man. They don't want to go and work for somebody else. I think that What makes people grow into themselves is doing what they're destined to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we waste time Mm -hmm. by going over here and doing all these things when really like Mm -hmm. we have a greater purpose.
1: When I started working in arts administration, I didn't know arts administration existed. What is arts administration? Arts administration is a science Mm -hmm. behind the formalities of what it takes to make money from an art practice. Okay. So there will be a person who will say, cool, you want to make this happen? Let's put together a spreadsheet. Let's put you in touch with a funder. Let's put you in touch with a theater. Let's find the audience for you. Let's package it up and let's get you some money. Fuck yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's I love kind it. Of like behind arts administration, but within that arts administration, there's arts education. Yeah special audience arts administrators, people who do programming specifically for audiences who have alternate abilities, who Mm -hmm. speak different languages. I was in New York for 10 years. The reason why I traveled to New York was because I got a job at a Latino cultural center Mm -hmm. in the Upper West Side that is no longer there. And I had to do hours as part of my undergrad program. Mm -hmm. and no one would take me i was like no one wants my labor like no one wants my work (laughs) oh no and i wanted to work at a specific place but they just weren't answering my phone calls i needed to fill out this form that was going to determine like the next six months of my life as part of this program and i was like okay whatever i'm just like google was like kind of a thing we weren't using it that much i was like whatever i'm just gonna google i had never been to new york And the first thing that pops up is Latin American culture in New York City. Mm -hmm. I pick up the phone and I call and they're like, wait, you want to come work with us for six months for free? And I said, yes, I need to do my work, my field study somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm studying community studies and Latin American studies and I need to do my practice. Then they were like, okay, let me talk to the director. We've never really had anyone to do something like that. We'll get you on a Skype call with yeah. all of us and see what you can do. And I said, great, let's do this. And so I met with them on Skype. They were in their office with coats. It was like March. The heat had broken and I was like, oh my gosh, is this what like I'm getting myself into? Like wow. I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get myself a coat. I'm gonna have to get myself shoes because yeah. I was like wearing flip-flops all the time.
0: Fuck, and this <laughs> like Latino shoes. cultural center was so underfunded, pobrecitos. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh no. Yes. They took me in. Mm -hmm. I started in July. I remember my mom was like terrified. She went and she took me and my roommate who we decided to live together because we were studying the same program. And she was also doing her field study in Queens. And we found somewhere to live miraculously. We settled in miraculously. Everything kind of was just like, okay, this is what you girls are doing. And so Mm -hmm. my roommate and and I... Lived our New York life for six months, working and living in New York. And it was amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I'm just
0: like, I'm painting this picture in my head and it's (laughs) so romantic and beautiful. Like, that's so cool. it
1: It was really fun. And, you know, the city doesn't sleep. So if you want to go have drinks all night, you could. If you want to yeah. go dancing, you can.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> and, what a
1: dream. Yeah, it was a dream. And then we had to turn in our field notes. So yeah. a few days before our deadline, we had to sit there and think about all the things that we did for three months at a time and like write notes Yeah, <laughs> and, and turn in our reports. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like cramming till like two in the morning trying to figure everything out, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so writing everything out on paper. But we got it done. That's... We got our degrees. Amazing. And then they asked me to go back and work for them, right? In May, and I graduated in June. And something was telling me that I was going to go back. I remember thinking, I remember feeling, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go back. And then I got the call from my boss, and he was like, do you want to come back? And I said, yes. Absolutely. Let's go. Again, never thinking, oh, my goal is to start a business. Never thinking that, like... I'm going to even keep doing this because yeah. at, at that time, I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just knew Whoa. that I love the work. So
0: yeah. you were in New York for 10 years and yes. you ended up working for it was a nonprofit.
1: So, yes, that place is, explain, is a nonprofit. Can
0: you explain yes. nonprofit to me,
1: please? Yes. Because I don't know what that means. OK, I think a lot of people are like, oh, you work in nonprofit. You make no money. Yes, that's like, what I that's, think as well. A lot of folks think that. A nonprofit is just another type of business mm-hmm. where you need to be very careful with your revenue, with your money coming in. You have to make sure that every dollar is accounted for. Okay. So unlike a private Where do the business, dollars come from? The, the dollars come from folks who donate individuals. Oh. They come from government, local elected oh. officials who are interested in making sure that spaces like that exist. Okay. They can't come from private companies okay. that want to support a cause or support yes. an organization or support a certain yes. kind of work. They can come from other partnering organizations who also support those kinds of organizations. It's just another type of of structure that allows folks to work. Yes. So the goal is that no one person will be making or keeping money. Whereas as a business, if you're the owner, you can decide what to do with the funds. When you're in a nonprofit, you need to decide as a group, which includes your board, which is a group of people who essentially you work for, but really you do work for the people that your audience is or your community is. But your board holds you accountable to decisions. So you can't really just show up and say, hey, today we're doing this. It's very interesting. I mean, most big, powerful corporations have nonprofits attached to them. Most donations, all donations for nonprofits are tax deductible. And it's also a good way to align your business to a mission driven project. I mean, that's awesome because then you're giving back
0: to the community. So whoever's in that area gets to benefit
1: from whatever it is that you're creating. Yes. What were you guys creating? We were creating a space for art and culture, a space for Spanish a space for education through the arts. Oh. And we are in the United States. We don't have an official arts department that's federal. So nonprofits fill a huge hole in arts services because we don't have a official federal arts council mm-hmm. or department of arts and culture like in Wow, mostly. That's so other sad. World. It is very That's is terrible.
0: And the older <laughs> I get, the more I realize how important stuff like that is. You heard me tell the story about how I didn't believe I was a writer because I didn't know that you could even do writing as work. Mm-hmm. And so even when I went to school, cause I went to college, but I didn't realize that I could actually go and do something like that. And I'm, I'm sad that I didn't have that kind of space. Do better Montebello do better.
1: (laughs) And that happens to a lot of us Mm -hmm. that we don't know. In my case, I didn't know because my family got here a generation ago. Mm -hmm. And so they did what they did. And outside of that, it's really hard to think of options when you're trying to make sure your kids have enough to eat. My grandpa was a bracero and there was a federal program that allowed farm workers to come into California and other states in the United States to work for specific seasons mm-hmm. and do specific crop work, yeah. like pick fruits, vegetables. And so my grandpa did that. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to bring his kids in seasons. So they would come first for the summer yeah. and then they would go back to Mexico. yeah, And so my dad and my uncles were the first to actually live here, but school wasn't their thing for my dad. It was, but yeah. for my uncles, it wasn't. Then it's just, you know, they what start having do? kids and then your options are just different and your priorities are different. Mm-hmm. And now our parents are giving us options in mm-hmm. what they can. And I didn't know arts administration was a thing. I didn't even study arts administration. I studied nonprofit administration like at the <sighs> master's level. And I didn't know that you could do all these cool things. And now that I'm like, I'm like do I want to go back to school? Because there's so much to learn and so much to yeah. do, I don't want to go back to school. It's so expensive. I that's <laughs> the only reason
0: I, I never back went school. back to school is because I was like, I do not want any debt. I'm terrified of debt. Yeah. So I'm like, no. Yeah. That's the only thing that's kept me from going back to school is the fact that I don't want to. I don't want to be in that kind of debt.
1: And imagine if we didn't even have to think of that. I know that would be wonderful.
0: Because then be I would crazy. just go to school forever. Yeah, oh, that's. Yeah. So cool. You know, it's interesting because as we're talking, I realized that I don't know about nonprofits and I don't know about any of this stuff because why would I? It wasn't anywhere around for me to see. Mm -hmm. So what got you into
1: it? Hmm. Like, how did you know? How did you know? Well, I don't think that I do know because right now I'm not running a nonprofit. And the reason why I didn't start. start so it was uh, just by the, happenstance
0: that you stumbled upon the nonprofit?
1: It was. No, because
0: your degree was in nonprofit. So nonprofit why? Nonprofit
1: administration. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I was attracted to nonprofits is because at that time thought that the only way to do good was to be part of an entity or a structure that in its root or in its mission was to do good. Idealistic a little or like maybe innocent?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great. I think that's great. And I,
1: so, okay, so you wanted to do good. I wanted to do good. I went to a private Catholic school mm-hmm. and we had to do certain service hours every mm-hmm. year. And it kind of just stuck. That's and interesting. I went to Catholic school and we never had to do you anything. You didn't? Mm-mm. Well, that's. I don't remember having to do anything. Yeah. I think the Are first. Are you
0: sure? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think back. I mean, we you did a lot of church, but uh-huh. we did not like. You never
1: went to like a, like a senior home? No. Or like a trash pickup? No. No. Mm-hmm. No. And now I'm kind
0: of pissed. (laughs) I feel a little cheated because (laughs) they should have been doing that kind of stuff. Why was I not? I think the first time that I ever... Not even in high school. And I went to high school, Mm. all girls Catholic school. And I mean, I'm sure it was available to me, Uh but it wasn't a requirement. Okay. You see what I mean? Okay, Like maybe they did have like a program that I didn't sign up for because... Like why? Why? Yeah. Why would I do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I think the first time was when I was working already as an adult, like in my 20s. The company that I worked for had a volunteer program. And if you volunteered, you got to take time off of work (sighs) and still get paid. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to go volunteer (laughs) to make some money without having to work. Yes. So I went, they went to the midnight mission in okay. downtown okay. and we served food okay. and we got to like meet the people who work there. And that was the first time that I ever got access to something like that. And I thought, man, this is amazing. And it's just like here in the city and they're completely donation based. So I think they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They have programs where they give people phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing, but that was my first bit of exposure mm-hmm. to something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just assume that everything is kind of tailored towards that, is like help the homeless, mm-hmm. but never even thought about the arts.
1: Mm-hmm. My parents are doctors, and they love what they do. Mm. And because they're helping people. They're so helping good. people. I'd be lying if it wasn't like every day they would tell me how their day was. It's just like when you see that glitter in people's eyes. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what it is. Yeah. And I said, I want to feel glitter in my eyes and in my heart. I know it sounds really cheesy, but... No, it doesn't. That's what I want to do. And they were really the first ones to show me that like, okay, I can try to do something I love. We can try it. And then they're, you know, they're... I don't want to say naggy, but they're Mexican parents. They're always... Telling you what to do. (laughs) I get it. I get it. And they are not shy. It's not in, just the Mexicans either. To, <laughs> they're not shy in wanting to tell you this and this and do this and do this. My my mom did this, my mom did that. Your abuelitos did this. You have to do this, right? And so there are some things that you like carry with you, some mm-hmm. become traumas. Some yeah. you learn to let go and some sure. are like, okay, they know no, this what they is were talking yeah, about. this is part
0: of my life officially. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thanks parents.
1: Yes. Thank you parents for all you do. Mhm. As you get older, you realize, like, you did not have it easy. You know, when we're teenagers and we're just like, oh, my God, we hate you. Like, why don't you understand us? Yeah. And you just grow up and you're like, holy cow. Like, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. I've
0: been around a lot of moms lately, like new moms. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching them in the struggle. And I'm like, whoa, whole different perspective now. I held a lot of anger towards my mom for a very long time. And then I started seeing these moms handling their babies well into their 30s, established. Mm -hmm. There's not the financial stress. There's not any other stress. It's Mm -hmm. just, I have to take care of this baby. And they are stressed out. My mom was young. She wasn't even 30 yet in a rocky relationship. There was a lot going on. I always thought, having no exposure to motherhood myself, that it was just like you had a baby and you're like, this is the best (laughs) thing I've ever done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love babies and this is my baby and I'm going (laughs) to smile through this. Like you've never seen because being a mom is all I ever wanted to be. Yeah. But that's just not the case. Yeah. And once that becomes clear, I think it, I was like, I got to take it easy on my mom.
1: And it goes to show you too, if you ever had moments of everyone's okay, everyone's happy. And If you think back as an adult and you remember those moments, it's like, wow, well, they were really working hard for that.
0: I've never even thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have exposure to the bad things that were going on in the world. Mm-hmm. There were some things that were said to me, but everything was about being fat like don't be fat don't be fat don't be fat fat. and all that shit's traumatic as fuck it is and i am still absolutely dealing with all of it so am i but i don't have any physical scars and i don't have the kind of mental scars that don't allow me to function in Mm -hmm. society and that stuff is very real yeah in the world and so the fact that i don't have any of that is like okay well you know
1: she did something right each generation has their own trauma and their own kind of limited amount of things in their toolkit they have what they have to get Mm -hmm. so far we have a much different toolkit because we have time and interest yes in developing and understanding our own traumas Mm -hmm. and wanting to work on them not everyone can do that and There's some serious roadblocks for some people that
0: sometimes I want to judge, but then I'm like, I can't even comprehend that. Yeah. So I got to just stay in my lane, yeah. do my own work, yeah. and that's all we can do to uplift the consciousness is mm-hmm. just work on ourselves mm-hmm. and the way that we see and
1: forgive the people mm-hmm. around us who weren't perfect. Yeah, and it's so powerful because even that work, it's hard. Yeah, and but it affects. Whoever you have in your surrounding, you share that with everyone around you. I know. And it's
0: so nice to see when somebody hears something and goes, yeah, I never even thought about it. I mean, I just had a moment like that with you. You said something and I was like, boop. (laughs) I mean, it's like all this good input that makes you realize how good things really are. I noticed Through doing the podcast, Mm -hmm. how often I complain. Mm. I edit my own podcast, so I have Mm -hmm. to listen to myself for hours. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, Jesus, so negative. Or like, you know, (laughs) I start to hear what other people hear when they're talking to me. Yeah. And it's made me a little bit nicer to myself. Mm, It's like making space for like me to be nice to me in the way that I'm nice to the people around me. That I think was the biggest step that was missing for me is that I give compassion and I make space to support other people. And then I'm just like, not you, though. When I realized I was doing that, I was like, how mean? That is little me in there. And you are just telling her she's not important enough. She has a seat at the table now and it's really
1: nice. It's changed everything for me. I was in New York for 10 years. So after I was at El Taller, which is the cultural center that took me in for my field study, El Taller Taller Latinoamericano, and I worked there for the six months, came back, graduated, went back to officially start the 10 year period. And I was there for about a year. When I was in school, I worked at a Latin American art museum after there it was an internship and then it turned into like an assistant job but then i was like i need more work so then i worked at new york foundation for the arts Mm -hmm. for about a year and a half a little bit more which is a great foundation when i was there they were doing work specifically for spanish-speaking artists and immigrant artists they were really searching for funds and resources so that artists that live in new york and want to make a career out of their artwork and selling their art programming performing they could make a living off of it. The foundation would work with professionals, folks who knew how to write bios, how to put up websites, how to talk about your art, how to sell yourself, bring together all those people and give boot camps to artists. Yes. It was very I want to cool. I want to go. <laughs> I want to Let's go. go. <laughs> I don't know if they're still doing that program. And then they were doing this speed dating type of work where you had 15 minutes to talk to an artist professional in Spanish, which was very cool because if you weren't very comfortable in speaking English, mm-hmm. you can just go talk to this person who is a director of this foundation, or performing arts center, and you can tell them, Hey, review my resume mm-hmm. or check out my website. What do you think that I need to work on? Oh, for free. my gosh. That's I so cool. Know. I know. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. For anybody
0: who thinks that there's no good going on in the world, this is the kind of stuff people need to know about that this is going on that exists. Yes. I'm so excited. Okay, go
1: on. And then after there, I went back to the museum and I was there for almost three years. I knew that I wasn't going to live in New York forever Mm -hmm. because I felt like home was calling me as it tends to do. I felt like I had been away for so long. I felt like I was getting tired of even just living in the city, Mm, the cold. Yeah, no, fuck that. When my zipper broke on my winter jacket, Uh I told my partner, I don't think I'm going to get myself another jacket. So we need to start making an exit plan. (laughs) Yeah, that'll do it. That's when I seriously (laughs) started thinking about moving back. And then during that time, you know, all these things and doubts in your head. Can I do it? Can't I not do it? Should I be brave? What is it going to look like? I didn't have answers to anything and I was terrified. But to your point about having people around you who support you and love you and tell you that you can do it, I wouldn't be here. Oh, that's so nice. And so I said, okay, we got to go back. And I moved back, Mm -hmm. not having a place to live. My family's here. And I said, I'll just move back home and I'll figure it out. I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and kind of like draft a plan. So I would go to this cafe in Huntington Park called Crucitas and I would sit there and I would see people coming in and coming out and I would hear the music and I'd see they have plants uh, decorated outside and I would say, okay, this is inspiring me. What do I want to do? Where's my heart? And so I would just write all the things that I loved about everywhere that I was. And everywhere that I was really took me in in a way that went beyond just, oh, I'm here to work. I have that sentimental attachment ever since I was in college. My degrees in community studies and we had lectures throughout our program. And in those lectures, guest lectures were folks who worked in healthcare, in education, in liberation movements, in the prison industrial complex. They would come in and talk to us about all of these real issues and what their life was like. And we would leave lecture in tears. Wow. <laughs> time and time and time again it's like that feeling of okay you're inspired yet you want to do something about it you don't really know what it is but you're going to try to do it anyway i am so teary-eyed. inspired by you
0: no teary-eyed. truly i'm it, you're the second that you walked in here i just knew and now I'm getting to know why. And this is amazing. <laughs> you're, you're spreading so much good just by sharing this story with people because fear holds so many people back, myself included,
1: I hate the fact that in order to not be scared, you have to do it time and time and time and time and time, and time again. It's so annoying. It is, Well, it comes from somebody somewhere
0: saying you can't do something <laughs> unless you're good at it already. Which is like, okay, sure. You've got your pros who just pick up a guitar and know how to play it. And then you have the people who have to actually
1: work at something to feel
0: that they're good but how do you work on it without practicing
1: yeah we don't hear that enough from our leaders and Mm -hmm. by leaders we don't hear it enough from our bosses we might not even talk about it enough with our friends and family this idea that who are we to think that you're going to be super good at all this where does super good at everything at at everything Mm -hmm. right and why aren't we talking about that or why aren't our bosses like oh Mm -hmm. you're not going to be good at this don't worry i wasn't good at this but you have to try it and we're here for
0: you oh my god that's so beautiful and it's so necessary because i hear people more often than not getting upset at for people not knowing something and the thing is don't you wish though that whoever had asked you had been like do you understand what that means it's okay if you don't i didn't know what it meant we can work on this together i'll get a a team of people to rally behind you here we go honey and wouldn't that be the change that the workforce needs is knowing that you're supported even when you're not mm-hmm.
1: the best... Mm-hmm. Yep. And I find myself in that position. We've been working with a youth program called Elevate. I have interns and I took on one intern who was older than my previous intern. And I found myself being like, oh my gosh, aren't kids these days supposed to be good at these things? Wait a minute. I got to be that person that I didn't have. If you have those moments of like, oh, wait, something's not feeling right. I'm doing that thing I said I didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you can go
0: back. I'm guilty of the same. Yeah.
1: But the moment where you recognize it is the work
0: Mm -hmm. and that's what makes you better for the next time Mm -hmm. and allows you to be the best possible leader Mm -hmm. because then you can guide everyone and go, it's okay to have limitations. And as the host (laughs) of this podcast, I feel the responsibility to know everything. Right. But I don't. And sometimes Ralph will say like, you got to sound like, you know, and Mm -hmm. I say, but why if I don't know? Mm -hmm. And I ask the question doesn't that let people know it's okay to ask the question Mm -hmm. that's why i asked about nonprofits Mm because i don't know and if you really examine my past you'd realize why i don't know Mm -hmm. make space humble Mm -hmm. yes and remember that everyone is not good at everything and that everybody has to start somewhere there was my first podcast there will be my first open mic
1: yes that's so exciting it is exciting you did that submission that you told me about at the beginning yeah you got this I, so great i think i know that i have
0: it only because i have no choice <laughs> <laughs> i gotta just go up there and do it and honestly the scariest part is that i don't know how to prepare so i started reading a book that told me like the different styles of comedy but i don't think
1: you can study this yeah. at least i don't feel like i can i don't think you can either. you gotta just well, try if someone told me like hey you have to study Maybe watching my favorite things that make me laugh.
0: Well, yes. One of the pieces of advice was watch a lot of comedy, mm. which I haven't been doing. Mm. I, almost because I'm like intimidated. Like, but what if I watch it and I realize I can't that's be that true. good?
1: Those people have been doing it for years. Yeah. Back to this thing that like mm-hmm. you, you have to do it more than once and you have to keep at it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fine. If it's I get one laugh up there, I think that's it. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that you're talking about going on this journey, being unafraid, doing what you love people need to hear
1: that i've been terrified so it's like not unafraid completely afraid but still doing it Mm -hmm. even though you're terrified that's underestimated because everyone's always like don't be scared what do you have to be scared for Mm -hmm. you've prepped this you've done this a million times you don't live in my body you don't know how i woke
0: up you don't know how i'm feeling do you think that you've built the muscle though of dealing with the discomfort
1: of fear yes
0: Because I think that's what it is. Like with anything, building that muscle. And
1: I had never thought of it as a muscle. But I think that that's exactly what that is.
0: It really is. I mean, even just me telling you in the last year, all the changes that I've made and quitting my job and being like, let's just see what happens. Every single time that I make a video for social media or I record a podcast and I put it out there, there's this moment before I'm about to put it out there where I think, what if this sucks? What if nobody wants to hear this? And I want to quit all the time. <laughs> all the time Me too. Oh, sometimes just because i'm like i just want to do nothing i want to do nothing i'm just gonna quit i've been a chronic quitter in my life because i've let fear get in the way and because i grew up in an environment where people were like you you really have to be good at it to do it if i said oh i want to do this thing they'd be like why you wouldn't i don't think you'd be good at that and then i would just stop And for the first time in my life, I'm just doing it and I'm seeing it through. And this podcast is just for funsies, but now it's going to make money. It's been a year and I just made 12 cents yesterday and it's all because I just stuck to it. Yeah. And because every time that I felt that fear bubble up, instead of saying, I'm not going to put it out there, I just did it. And every time that I make a video or a reel or a story for my Instagram, I get a little shy. Of course, even though I'm kind of a ham, I'll make the video (laughs) and I'll laugh at it. I have this moment where I'm like, should I put this out there? Is this dumb? Yeah, I'm going to put it out there because yeah. I made it and it's me. If you can't handle me, well, then I'm so sorry. Yeah.
1: We're flexing it. We're yeah. using it. You We're have to. We're making it stronger. Like
0: I don't have a six pack in my belly, but I have a six pack in my mind <laughs> me too. when it comes to. <laughs>
1: yes. I am going to think about that six pack in my mind now.
0: <laughs> I got a six pack in the mind. So touch that thing. It's hard yes. as a rock. <laughs> it's hard
1: as a rock. Yeah. <laughs>
0: New York, 10 years, you came back, the jacket broke, you're home. Yes,
1: my jacket (laughs) broke. I said, no more winters. Mm -hmm. I came back and a space was available. I was not born or raised in Huntington Park, Mm -hmm. but it's where my parents started their businesses. I have a lot of family there. We would spend so much time here because we would just tag along with our parents. My parents had to coordinate dropping us off places, Mm -hmm. leaving us with friends, We did a lot as kids, my sister and I. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay, well, we got to work, but we're going to drop you off in this class. Ballet, Mexican Mm folklorico. Then it was like tap dancing. Then it was singing. So it was like all of these things to just keep us busy, which I think they didn't know the power of what they were doing or what they were instilling in us. They were just trying to keep us busy because they couldn't keep us (laughs) with what they were doing. Right. And so I kept an eye on things happening here in LA. And then when I would come back on holidays or vacations, it was always like, okay, well, what are things that are happening in the city? Yeah. what is the cultural landscape looking like, and why aren't things like New York? Why Mm -hmm. are they different? Why are they the same? Why are they better? Why are they worse? Part of me wanted to create the same kind of community that I felt when I first went to New York's like Artist centric. It was creative. It was a hub. And it was a place where people didn't feel scared to talk to each other or to meet one another or connect with one another. And I know that those spaces are rare. They usually happen over a transaction of you buy coffee or you're shopping, especially here in California where we're just a lot of public space that isn't used as public space. It's kind of just abandoned and there's events, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the way that the city's sprawled out, mm-hmm. everyone drives, a lot of people have backyards. So this idea idea of using public spaces to come together is not something that we do as Angeline knows that much. In Southeast LA specifically and Huntington Park they're also not very common and so I said okay I think this is what we're gonna do it's a little bit of my heart I don't know what it's going to look like but mm-hmm. I know that I want it to be about art I want it to be about community and I wanted to have the name of Huntington Park so that we could stop thinking these are all ideas about the hood and only bad things come from the hood yes we're in southeast Los Angeles and there's so much to talk about mm-hmm. like I just wanted the conversation to be open yeah right it's a working class community where a lot of us have left and come back it was Mm -hmm. amazing to open the doors and see people walk by and say hey i live around the corner and this didn't exist growing up why are you doing this how can i get involved but let me backtrack because i was going to open the space in march of 2020
0: oh my god (laughs) you don't (laughs) say March of 2020. Everybody
1: knows that. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> and the city shut down. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm like red just thinking about like the stress and the existential crisis that i went through i'm
0: sure i'm sure god the timing was such shit for so many things and this is one of them
1: yeah but
0: wait can we go back to where you came back to la and you were like i'm just gonna do it myself you didn't for one second think i'm just gonna go work for something that already exists you just knew you were coming here to build yeah
1: Oh, and it was a conversation that I had had with my partner for a very long time. He helped me come up with the name. I said, if I'm going to do it, I got to go big. I would love to come back and work for a huge museum. And I applied because one day I would build and then the next hour I would get terrified and look for jobs. I am so familiar with this. It's insane. Yeah, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you
0: know, what's interesting at the same time that I submitted the monologue for the writing, here's what I didn't share. When I quit my job, it's because this woman named Monica, who is fucking life changing, unbelievable woman who came and ate dinner here with me one night just because she thought I was cool and because she heard from someone that I like to write. She said, I heard that you're a writer. And I'm like, um, OK, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. And so she came over for dinner and we started talking and she's like, do you want to write? I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool if I wrote, if I could be one of the writers Mm -hmm. on a show. And she was like, do it. You should just quit and get a job as a writer's assistant. And I was like,
1: what?
0: No. And this woman has never seen my writing, had no idea. Like she was just saying, like, if that's what you want to do, do it. do it. You don't need to have any skills. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Just go. Mm -hmm. And I found out like a week prior that this one dude was an astronaut. And then he's like, I want to go be a writer. So he became a writer's assistant. Literally
1: an astronaut? Literally. (laughs) Literally an astronaut. And then was like, I
0: want to be a writer. And then became a writer's assistant. Went from like working for NASA to being like, I'm going to go be the writer's room assistant. Wow. So I was so inspired. And then Ralph came home that night and I told him, I said, I was talking to Monica and here's what she said. She told me to just go for it. And he was like fuck yeah do it quit we i got this like go and i was like are you serious i was kind of almost hoping he'd be like that doesn't really make sense for us right now you know we can't it. and he was not he was like yeah oh i love that please do it and i was like really yes 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 and so i started to look into it mm-hmm. and i was like i don't want to start at the bottom. I'm so established in my job. I don't want to start at the bottom. That feels exhausting. And I don't want to do that. So I just started writing a blog and then I started doing the podcast and then I wrote the monologue. Mm. And just as I wrote the monologue and submitted it, I said, universe, if I'm supposed to write, show me. Do I want to do writing? I don't know because I know that I enjoy writing, but I don't know that I enjoy screenwriting. And so I wasn't drawn to it the way I'm drawn to this.
1: But the point is, fuck it. Yeah, there's going to be a point where that has to be the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Because if not, again, as cheesy as it sounds, it's the what ifs are going to be bigger and then they're going to start weighing on you. Dude, what you're doing is dope. Truly. What is the name of the space, please? The space is called Art Space
0: HP. Yes. Amazing. March 2020 came along. You March thought somebody along. just took a big old dump on my idea and then what? Oh, happened? my life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Luckily, Mm -hmm. I had applied for an L.A. County leadership in the arts program and I got accepted into the program. They moved the dates because the pandemic had started and everything was shut down. They decided to move it online. And when they moved it online, I got a lifeline Mm -hmm. because all the arts administrators across L.A. County and in the Valley were going through the same thing, if not worse, because they were already in charge of established spaces and we had no idea what was happening we didn't know if they were going to keep their jobs we didn't know if the people that they lived with were going to bring home a disease and we're not going to make it the next day we didn't know if we were going to see each other on zoom the next day yeah like there was no vaccine we were shut down and my partner had gone on tour and we were going to meet in san diego as i picked him up he was getting all of these cancellations from his tours Oh. Being like, we're closing, we're closing, we're closing, we're closing. And so we shut down and just sat there and started thinking about ideas of what to do next we would wake up one day i would be so miserable thinking that this plan that i thought that i was so happy to start was no longer going to be a plan and we (laughs) said well what are we going to do next
0: well 2020 was the creative awakening it really was you've got no choice what you got what ideas do you have what What books have you been wanting to read what have you been wanting to write down listen to
1: play yes and then we have a very good friend who since that date has passed And we miss him very much. He said, hey, come to Texas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're like, Texas? What's in Texas? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing in Texas? I thought Texans hated us. Yeah. (laughs) Not only Mexicans, but people from California. He said, I have this project in Texas. Why don't you all come out here? You can bring your music, bring your musician friends, and start something because Texas is open. (laughs) It was yeah. It's sad. now that I think about it, it sounds horrible. And there we no. were, like the only Californians wearing masks mm-hmm. everywhere we went. And we started this project. It was called La Tiendita, and it was a coffee and artisan good project. And the goal wow. was also to kind of activate spaces with live music. And so we were like, okay, great. This is going to embed with art space at some point. We'll be able to kind of link all the projects Mm -hmm. together if we can, when we can. We did that. And that was also a lifeline because Mm -hmm. we were able to act like nothing was really happening. Mm -hmm. Even though we had family members who were getting COVID, Mm -hmm. folks who were passing from COVID. And it was rough, but together we kind of made it. And we were there for a month and a half, almost two months. Drove from California to Texas, which I had never done. Mm -hmm. That was great. That's fun. Yes. Cool. Yes.
0: No one on the roads. No
1: one on the roads. (laughs) (laughs) No one on the roads. That's when I started building this muscle of, okay, we're scared and we don't know what's going to happen. Mind you, I was also involved in another project Mm -hmm. at a. Bookstore. I have. I do too much. There's going to be a point where it's not going to be. I am. I worship.
0: (laughs) I worship everything that you do. (laughs) I worship all of it. It's amazing. (laughs) Very nice. It's true.
1: My sister had a friend who owned a bookstore in Highland Park called The Pop-Pop. It's on York and 50th. Shout out to The Pop-Pop. Oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, no, I was just, I I used to live in Eagle Rock, so I'd go to Highland Park all the time. This friend of my sister's was like, I can't do this anymore. I have no space mentally. I need to move back to Virginia where he's from. And he brought together like a random group of people Mm -hmm. because my sister was like, hey, bring my sister in. She knows about nonprofits. Maybe you can turn the bookstore into a nonprofit. And since then, we have turned into four co-op owners. We're in the process of like signing paperwork to become a co-op, which means we're a business that's just divided equally into four. At some point, we'll be able to take on member owners, which means that we can take on community members as owners of the space who are able to not really work for money unless that's the arrangement that we want to do. We'll be able to work something out where it's like you can work for books or you can work for space or we can do a barter system of some sort. That Love space it. has Love it. another lifeline too. Mm-hmm. So how you said that that year was really like a creative renaissance of some sort. Mm-hmm. It really was for it me. It was.
0: Well, I'm so glad it was. And so now you've got the bookstore. There's a space in Texas. There's Art Space HP. Yeah. And what's is oh, there, that's it? That's <laughs> it. Okay, I thought there were four. <laughs> Sorry. I was no, there was an extra one in there for me. Wow. Yes.
1: And it's been really fun to bring all of these projects together. Through the pop hop, we've been able to ex audiences in northeast la to artists from southeast la so we have zine makers and visual artists who have items in the bookstore for sale where a percentage goes directly to the artist and then we're able to also kind of like cross pollinate projects Mm -hmm. uh, folks who come to the pop-hop and want to have an exhibition they've Mm -hmm. been able to do it at art space our latinita project has morphed into another beautiful project and we've been able to also bring in items from artisans into the bookstore and then do programming and art space. Wow. It's, it's getting there. Every day is a different challenge. I'm sure it is. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a pretty full plate. <laughs> yes.
0: But it also sounds like you're doing really well. <laughs> I am in awe of you, truly. <laughs> Sometimes we need that little shove and I definitely uh, do a lot of I feel like I lack the motivation, the self-love sometimes to just go and do it because it's not that I can't, it's that I won't sometimes. And I'm still unpacking Mm. why I won't. I want so much and I envision so much Mm. and I only reach for like a fraction of it. And I think, why? And I think it's the work that I'm still doing. You know, it's still the talks that I'm having with myself and reminding myself, whatever is in there telling me no that's not me that's somebody else entirely that's somebody whose voice has no place and i'm trying so hard to remind the little person who comes up sometimes and goes no we can't do that i'm scared no that's not how things are anymore now i'm in the driver's seat and i promise i'm taking good care of you i won't let harm come your way i won't do anything that feels like we shouldn't do it but i'm also like i gotta get us out of this space where we think we can't do it and it's so in everyone i see right now that it's in you too yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's really hard but you know what every year it gets a little easier though right
1: that's the cool thing about Mm -hmm. that maybe even a year and a half ago i wouldn't have been able to do this with you really yes i have social anxiety i was telling my team at the pop Hop that when i was in grad school i would help organize these mixers and then i would get to the door of the bar saying like oh I'm going to go in and then I would leave because I could not go in and yeah. I couldn't go to things by myself. I couldn't talk to people that I really admired that I would run into in the street because I recognized recognize them or, and by people I admire i not like celebrities, like just Timberlake or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like people, like people that it, you have respect for exactly. and wanted to have a conversation, and I to with. have a conversation with and wanted me or want uh-huh. to introduce myself. And now I can, and I can sit here yes. and, talk and you seem like such a natural you really do we've talked a lot about fuck it you if you need to do what you need to do you you want to do what you want to do that's enough to say i want to do this and well people will say oh well why why do you want to do that you don't have to give an answer you want to do it do it and it's going to just open up a door of chameleon amazing and wonderful things and it'll be terrifying and it'll be beautiful and it will be yes. you want to rip your hair out some yes. days and some i think days you just don't want to go to work sometimes you don't want to write
0: no sometimes i don't want to edit sometimes i don't want to do a lot of things and it's um, okay it is and you know what i don't on when i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> just so just so the record shows i if i don't want to i don't how do you just move
1: I've started realizing that it's okay to ask for help. We don't take compliments well. We don't like to ask for help. I definitely think that that's comes from my family and how we were raised. And so asking for help has been a very thing that's like, I mean, staying humble has been like very... You know. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I really do. So when I think about moving, I think about, oh yeah, I asked for help a lot. And... When I first started all of this, I think that it was still uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. But now I realize, well, I would help someone who would ask me, what does help look like? Because
0: sometimes I think help has to be tangible. But Mm -hmm. since I'm doing this open mic thing, I don't just need somebody to, you know, come over and make me dinner. I really need the words. I really need someone to tell me that I can do this. Mm -hmm. And lately, because I'm so scared, (laughs) I, I really need cheerleaders right now. Because well, that's, that's the kind of help up. that I need right now is someone to just tell me like, one, fuck yeah. <laughs> and two, like it's okay to bomb. And, you know, just all the things that I could probably tell myself, but it would just mean more if somebody else said it. Mm-hmm. Do you need that kind of help yes, too? Yes,
1: okay. I need that kind of help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. even though I might not be ready, I know that's what I need. Mm-hmm. Even though we know like the goal is not to get validation from other people. When I was very apprehensive and scared of what doing work like art space was because I, in so many spaces in the city, art spaces have always been tied to gentrification. Mm -hmm. And I was scared that, okay, I wasn't born and raised here. What is that going to look like? Right. Are people going to be like, eh, she's not from here? I never brought it up I said okay I'm gonna let myself speak for myself and carry myself how I would want to be treated as an artist as a community member and so I said this is what it is and if anyone asks I will tell them
0: I get what you're saying and I know that we talked about this a little bit before you came on I think that anybody who's coming into a community to uplift the community should be welcomed with open arms whether they're from there or not if you were to come in there wanting to demolish everything Thing. You know, obviously some people might come at you with pitchforks, I think but, so. <laughs> but you're not. You're building and you're creating a space. And I think that that is
1: incredible.
0: And you absolutely should feel like a part of the community if you're helping build it.
1: Yes. And I'm so happy to say that I do feel I am part yes because there hasn't been a person that I've reached out to or who has reached out to me that we haven't genuinely connected over something and that is amazing Mm mm-hmm i just had a conversation yesterday with my partner we were like you sometimes you just get to the point where you realize that everyone's just trying to do as much as they can with what they have Mm -hmm. and when you feel that and when you know that then it's like okay well i'm here too how can we come together to keep doing things and i'm just in art and culture i'm not in food security work or in gender right work or Mm -hmm. in sex trafficking work this is all really heavy stuff and really important stuff and and using the arts to open all of these conversations is really the goal. And, and and that's
0: how you I think glue people together. We were talking about politics and how politics is divisive. Let's just say you have two people sitting at a table and one of them is conservative and one of them is like super liberal, but you guys start talking and it turns out you both love that Fleetwood Mac album <laughs> and then you throw it on and then you guys are dancing and you've now found common ground. And I think that's probably what the arts does, you know you know, like, even if you have several people from different backgrounds and they join forces in a space to create art, they have one thing in common. Yeah. And that's community. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. that's beautiful. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what good news. Good news. Yes.
1: yes. Oh, man. Here we are in that work, in all of the challenges and the learning, the ins and outs of. The business world, the private world, the nonprofit world, the co op world that now, like, we've thrown ourselves into, is really interesting. And mm-hmm. this business is bad, nonprofit is good. Yeah. That is no longer how I think. I wouldn't have known that, or I wouldn't have started even thinking about that had I not gone into understanding these ways of doing things, mm-hmm. like the theory, but then the real practice and what that means in our larger society and in our city. Yeah.
0: What's our theme here? Yeah, we oh, I about think about a lot like of things.
1: Overcoming
0: fear, I think. I like Building that. the muscle that allows us to face the fear. Deepak Chopra says, uh, I'm a huge Deepak Chopra yeah. fangirl. He does an A to Z healing of the soul mm-hmm. affirmations. And F is for fear. And he said, yeah. F is for going beyond the limitations of fear. Today, I will witness my fear and my witnessing of it will transform it into love. And so we go forth, even when we're afraid, even when it feels like that's going to be uncomfortable. So many things are uncomfortable, but we do them anyway. Like this morning, I got an intense pump in and I wanted to quit, you know, building these biceps for the summertime. And I'm sitting there just like, this hurts so good. But if I stop, these muscles won't get any stronger. And that's exactly what it comes down to when you are chasing your
1: dream. And I have lost complete sight of this idea of chasing your dream until you just said that right now because i think that that's what i'm doing you are you really
0: are You really are. And you are going at like lightning
1: speed after that thing. Sometimes it feels like not fast enough, but it's one of those things that you have to remember to be very graceful with yourself and say, this is your path. No one else's.
0: No. No. And you know what? Sometimes the road is really bumpy and I can think back 10 years ago and I'm sure I was completely lost no idea what i wanted to do not even a semblance of an idea and now i'm doing a podcast it took 10 years but i'm here now and that's what matters what matters is now yes and once you find it once you arrive at at the place where you feel like all right this is cool it doesn't matter how long it took it really doesn't it's just you're there and it's awesome
1: (laughs) yes yeah and how lucky are you to be where you are in those 10 years Mm -hmm. because it also could have not happened you could also not be making this podcast but look at that yeah i can't even imagine i can't even
0: imagine what my life would be like now without the podcast what would i be doing (laughs) like what was i doing before what were you doing before? I was doing payroll. (laughs) That woman, Monica stepped into my life at a time where I was really depressed, Mm. really depressed. I mean, we had just bought a home. Like you'd think that I would be so excited to like get this part of my life started because honestly, what is this money getting me? A couple more dinners Mm -hmm. a week, some clothes. What does that matter? Mm -hmm. I don't want the money. I want the life. I didn't know what that meant, Mm -hmm. even when I said it back then, like I didn't know. But now I know that I care so much more about my life than I do about Mm. making money that I care so deeply about making connections with people and sitting here having conversations with people week to week. This is amazing. Like I learned so much. And then I think about quitting because I think, what am I doing? I'm sitting here having conversations. I'm putting it out there. What does this do for people? And then just as I have that thought, someone will reach out <laughs> on social media and be like, dude, I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. This is the best. And I'm like, oh man.
1: All right, we'll keep at it. Thank you for bringing me on oh. here my pleasure for giving me the space to really not have to think before I'm speaking anytime it's been really fun
0: it has been really fun (laughs) I think that your entire message here today was beautiful can you please name drop all the places that we should go (laughs)
1: Yes. I would love to, because it's not just me in any of these spaces. It's really a group of us who are with our all body, mind and soul doing what we do. So Art Space is in Huntington Park. My friend Nereda, she is volunteering her time at Art Space and she has been my rock really. And we've been working really beautifully together. Actually, Nereda is a visual artist and her exhibition Blooming is up until the end of July. And we have a a market. Yeah. You need to stop by. I'm coming. We have a market. A maker's market that we started when the pandemic, when it was like safe to gather again, just to give space for folks who were starting their businesses during the pandemic. You know, it's expensive to have a storefront. Mm -hmm. So we said, let's just bring everyone together. So Mm -hmm. we have a little maker's market and we're going to have live music. And then the Pop-Pop is in Highland Park. Mm-hmm. It is on 50th in New York. Uh-huh. And there are various ways to get involved with that project. You can obviously shop amazing, good talent, local artisan goods, books. Mm-hmm. And if you're an artist yourself, you can also have your own exhibition on the space. You can sell your goods there. And then La Tiendita Project, we're revamping the project that I also started with my really good friends, Rosie and Mariska. We're there working directly with Mexican artisans, which has been a... An experience in and of itself. We've made a trip to Oaxaca together. It's amazing. So yes, a lot of heart and soul behind all of the projects and just really excited to see how they keep growing.
0: As you were saying all of this, I became very aware of what it is that counteracts fear Without question. And that is the support of your community. Whatever that looks like. Whether it's your family or your friends. All the people who tell you you're the fucking shit. And you've got this. And every single person who's done that for me. Either through words or through action. I mean, that's how you build the muscle. Absolutely. Get a spotter. Get some spotters.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like a whole It's a truth. whole in Spotters. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you said that so I don't burst out in tears. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But yes, it's just everyone there being like, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. It's oh, true. Yes. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rosario. This Thank was you. a beautiful conversation. Please come back Very anytime, fun. not just to be on the podcast, but to share space. <laughs>
1: yes, to hang out with your dogs.
0: <laughs> yes. All right, podcast out. podcast.